where two romance authors go episode by episode through the Aussie TV drama McLeod's Daughters. I am Jessica Kate, the, uh, one of your hosts and the author of A Girl's Guide to the Outback, and with me is New York Times bestselling author Rachel Hauck, author of The Wedding Dress, To Love a Prince, so many other books. Hello, Rachel. How are you? And what did you think of More Than One Way, episode 18, season one of McLeod's Daughters? Well, hello, Jessica. How are you? Hello, everyone who's listening. It's good to be with you. I actually enjoyed this episode. Uh, Once again, we're trying to figure out what the heck Claire wants. (laughs) (laughs) But in the end, I was telling Jessica earlier, you guys, I got a little misty eyed at the end. So I really did enjoy this episode much more than 17. Mm -hmm. And I thought that we made some good progressions. And as we get into the show, I'll talk more about what the things that I liked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. Um, oh, now I should read out our little synopsis here. It says, Claire is about to achieve her dream and wants Tess to have hers, the little cafe in Brunswick she used to talk about, um, which is, yeah, pretty vague. Um, we'll get into more detail about what really happens in this episode. This one came out on the 20th of February, 2002. Um, and, yes, I do have to say I did like this one. So I, I really enjoyed the first half of the last episode. I, I did probably say some pretty harsh things about the second half but the second half wasn't my favorite but this episode started getting me a bit more back on track I did enjoy a lot of the things that happened in this one I reckon um so we open up with Claire's working with her horse Blaze she's chasing a calf around the calf pen I wasn't quite sure at the start what she was trying to accomplish like this was not um farm work for a practical purpose like there was no benefit to chasing the calf around the pen for a while. And I wondered I was, if she was doing some cutting, you know, yeah, like and I was cutting. like, is she, is she training for a cutting competition um, yeah. or camp drafting or something like that? And yeah, yeah th- and that's what it was. She was, so it turns out she's going for a horse training contract. And, um, and so this was how she was training her horse blaze. Um, and I do have to say, I enjoyed the uh horse riding scenes like the those action sort of scenes of the people and the horses i don't know like i'm assuming the actors didn't do all of that themselves but it that it really looks like them so they're either were doing it themselves or they did a good job of making the stunt people like i it looks seamless to me i i absolutely agree and i do want to say in the episode 17 uh jessica mentioned that the episodes occur in february and she was saying something about they came back after the summer break. And I was like, oh, what? I must have misheard her. So Americans, remember, we're in opposite Remember, seasons. guys. <laughs> so this February is their summer and we're our winter. So Yes, yes. Uh, Today we are recording on Halloween and for us Halloween happens in spring every year but all the Halloween decorations Australia doesn't really do Halloween but like all the corporations do it as a promotional thing to sell stuff and so it's all autumn colors and everything else here is like floral and pink and pastel and then just for like a week you get all this orange Halloween crap laying around and then it goes again. (laughs) That's hilarious I bought a cup I bought a bag of candy today we don't get many trick-or-treaters but we bought some just in case and I took a picture of it, put it on Instagram and said, this is what makes Halloween evil. <laughs> this big bag of candy in my house. So um, yes, I agree with you. I actually loved um, the writing scenes and I did look like the actors were doing their scenes. So if they yeah. had doubles, they were pretty darn close. To yeah. The actors. That was, that was good. Kudos. Well done, everybody. Um, so, and 
Uh, I like they make the comment they're reviving a bit of the old rivalry between Claire and Alex. You remember from a previous episode um, that Claire and Alex are both horse trainers, and there's quite a bit of debate as to who is better, but it seems to be generally agreed that Claire has an edge over Alex. Claire has a very different style. She's much more, I don't know how you call it, friends with the horse, and Alex is a lot more break the horse's spirit kind of. Not that he's cruel, but, you know, a bit more dominating sort of style. Um, however, Alex is-, is a bunch of bravado. He's just <laughs> all like, I'm great, I'm great. <laughs> and he doesn't seem to care that mm-hmm. he, he, does, he likes bragging. Mm-hmm. But he, but then he has these really tender moments with his he dad does. when he had, when he's talking about Claire. So, all right, go ahead. Yep, a <laughs> moment there. Um, so at the moment, Alex is not thinking about horses. He is Claire is very annoyed because Alex and Tess have been spending quite a bit of time in one another's company, particularly at night, and she has to share the house with them, and she's not enjoying it. So they're still in bed, not doing work. Claire is not. Claire gets very annoyed at laziness at the best of times. And when you're sleeping with the guy that she likes, she is just basically going off her rocker. She is so unreasonably angry and grumpy and rude in this episode that you just like, something has got to change. <laughs> okay. Perhaps it's not that it's the guy she likes, but that Claire or Tess has someone and she does not, or that he is her mate. He's her friend. She likes having that intimate relationship with him, um, Mm -hmm. the non-physical intimate relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't like that her sister's kind of moved into her friendship territory. Mm -hmm. So you could kind of go a lot of ways with that, where all of a sudden now our dynamic is going to change because you now have a a super intimate relationship. Mm -hmm. So, but she is extremely um grumpy about it she's so and grumpy it, and can i actually say it's actually a little bit creepy to see alex in tess's very hippie <laughs> I know. that's that was like the first thing i thought i wrote down like alex looks ridiculous in Claire's, <laughs> in Tess's bed, I mean, because for starters he's too big <laughs> He's too big for the bed. His he's feet tall. are coming out the post. Yeah. yeah. His feet are like coming off it. And it, like, I love how they have Tess's room set up. It's so Tess. Everything is like. It's so Tess. I love it. And cheap and crap. And <laughs> there's just stuff everywhere. And Alex is such a farmer's boy. And so he's there in his blue singlet and stuff. And man's man, just in this like bright colored, super girly room. And it just looks so funny. <laughs> Yeah, it looks funny. And you're kind of, well, he's comfortable in his own skin. You got to yep. give him that. Yep, he's he's fine with it. Um, okay, in this scene, I have to say, breaking in here, he says a word that I don't know because she's talking about oh. the camp drafting. Uh-huh. And she's he doesn't seem like he's worried and he's asking, who are you going to for? He says, so who are you barracking for? Oh, yeah. Oh, you don't know. I, I assume that means... I assume that means rooting or cheering, but I it haven't does. heard it in this yeah, context Yeah, that's exactly before. what it means, you know, you, what team you're barracking for or stuff like that. Yeah, I don't, what does barracking actually mean? Is it, is it a, a slang of another word? I didn't even or? think it was slang. I just thought it was a regular word. <laughs> now I'm going to, now I'm going to Google it. Now Bar- we're going to have to look it up, folks, but 
I, I kind of like to hear you back and forth. I mean, maybe it's a word that's more British in use, and Australia tends to be a little more British in our English sometimes. Yes, of course. Um, of course. Oh, when you Google it, it says to provide soldiers with accommodation in a building. <laughs> we definitely use it meaning cheering for a team. Um, See, that's oh, what it reminded me of. Wikipedia. Go ahead. Wikipedia says um, the predominant meaning of barracking in Australia in New Zealand is cheering. Huh. I had no idea that was a regional thing. So I feel like it's one of those things where a term has been, has had this genesis, uh, like barracking to me would be like, we all live in the barracks. Yeah. I'm going to go stay in the barracks. Yeah. And then from there, it just has this, someone used it in a different context and da, 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 da. next thing you know, it means cheering. So well, I like thing- that. And I wanted to know. Yeah, that's, I'm glad you pointed that one out. The other thing Wikipedia says is that in the rest of the world, barracking means crowd abuse. So like the opposite, well, oh. like everybody booing them. What's crowd abuse? Now I've got to click on that. Huh. Oh, oh yeah, the widespread practice of crowds following sports to criticize or abuse opponents by cheering, cheering, chanting, singing, using banners. Ah, oh, so it's like the opposite, you know, for us to bag for a team, like you're wanting them to win with singing and waving and chants, but for them it's like booing. Huh, interesting. Someone actually asked us um, to talk a little bit about accents. Um, and so, I mean, apart from you hearing mine... <laughs> I don't know how much I can say on it, but um, if you like pick up on any words or things about the accent that you think are interesting, let's, I'm going to ponder this this accents request and see what I can bring. Do they to want the us table. to talk about the accent in the show, or um, what, what I, accents are I, we addressing? I messaged back to ask for clarification, so we'll probably do this properly in a future episode when we've had a chat to uh, chat with you, lovely listener. Thank you for interacting with us on social media too and asking for this. Absolutely, we love having these requests. Um, yeah, so I want to find out more about about what they reckon. And it is interesting to note not all the all the actors in this show are Australian. Um, Lisa Chapel is New Zealand, and I'm pretty sure. Um, the guy who plays Alex Aaron Jeffrey, I don't know if it's Jeffrey or Jeffries. Um, anyway, I'm pretty sure he's a Kiwi too. So they are, I mean, the accents are not completely dissimilar, but the Kiwi one is, is rather different for starters. They mess all their, to my perspective, they change all their vowels around <laughs> when they talk. So I think they've done a pretty good job with the Australian accent. My mum always says she thinks it's overdone, but um, I think it sounds pretty realistic to what I hear. I don't think I sound anything like you. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk more about accents in the future once we get more about uh, what we want to say about them. But I love the Aussie accent. I can actually do a little bit of it. British is horrible. (laughs) I can't do anyone else's accent. Um, So anyway, Jodie and Becky are discussing what Jodie's thing for the episode is going to be. She wants to go in the Miss Gungellen quest, which is like the showgirl thing. Um, which, oh, I don't know, Did America have, I guess you call them fairs. Like in Australia, each area, each town has a show. Um, they're pretty much all going broke now, so they happen less often or maybe every second year. But, you know, everybody has their giant pumpkin growing competition. You have show rides, you have show bags, you've got food stalls, you've got all the agricultural contests, pig racing, whatever. Um, and there's usually a, a showgirl competition there and you'll crown someone Miss Bloody Blah. Um, so Jody wants to go in the equivalent of that for Gungellen. Now, my little reality checker here, my, my only beef with this is in all my growing up years, 
from what I observed. Now, I never went to the main high school that was in my town. I went to a very, very small Christian school in there. So I wasn't like plugged into the main sort of center of the community, which is like the school and the football club. Um, But from what I could tell and the people that I knew, nobody really cared about the, the Miss whatever show competition. And there was like three girls who chucked their name in the ring for it and it didn't really mean anything and they they dressed up a little bit but not like it was not it was not a big deal in the community it gained you zero extra popularity or respect you know if they no disrespect for them for wanting to do it but it just wasn't the big deal that Jody seems to be making out to be it seems to be like if she this is what I would think you know maybe like from my impression of Southern culture from watching Heart of Dixie and Sweet Home Alabama, <laughs> I feel like yes, they're approaching this a little bit more like a beauty pageant kind of thing, like what you might see in the South. Australia is just, I know beauty pageants exist, but it is not. The only reason I even, I thought they didn't exist in Australia. And then my parents have did the Gold Coast for a little while where every second person's a part-time model and a bunch of them have been in them. But like, yeah. that's pretty specific to the Gold Coast. <laughs> But you got to get Miss Australia from somewhere. Yeah, that's it. You got to get them from somewhere. But it's not it's not like a cultural thing. Like in my town, I don't think beauty pageants exist or anyone would have anything to do with them or anyone would really care about who the showgirl was. So this to me felt like it was borrowing a tiny bit from American culture. What was your thoughts? Uh, well, it does feel very American. That didn't surprise me at all. So it's not uncommon for any small American town, especially to have some sort of beauty contest. Mm-hmm. I think they're fading from this. They're probably more traditional, mm-hmm. um, but there is, there is the whole pageantry culture that ki- g- parents will start their kids out when they're like five, six years old. I mean, mm-hmm. it's crazy. So um, I liked it though, because it feels homey. I don't, Jody is felt very out of character for Jody because she doesn't seem to, want to do that sort of thing Mm. but then again it's just expanding her character and I think she in the end she says she wants to do it to make friends and in the beginning you're not really sure why she's doing it and it's not just about looks it's about community service and things like that so she does tell us later on that she sees this perhaps as her way out. She says her ticket to probably get out of here maybe end up on a commercial and then get on a soapy and um, Becky announces to her that you'll probably end up being Alex's girlfriend because he's been with all the other Miss Gungellen showcasers. I like Becky's reaction. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, so, so I don't think she's getting too much of her identity wrapped up in it. But I, so in that case, I've talked myself into it. I like this because it goes back to Jody wanting to get out of Dodge. She wants to get out of here. She wants to do something different. And she sees this as an opportunity. And I think she's trying to be different. She's trying to expand her borders of her own personality and her own strengths and weaknesses and fears. So, which is a very Jody thing to do. I don't yeah, know. If I think so too. Who has ever seen the showgirl title as a path to fame and fortune, <laughs> especially the Gungellen one, where a competition. I cannot imagine that there is a lot of just other young women around in that area, particularly ones interested in being in the, the show. She probably has hardly any. She's probably thinking like, I can win this. Yeah, I've got this in the bag. Um, so, yeah. Um, but anyway, Alex and Tess finally come outside. Uh, they're very obviously flirting. Alex kisses Tess and makes her laugh. And it's just making Claire, like the steam is practically coming out her ears. 
So this is weird because he walks into the kitchen. He has some kind of chain in his hand. It broke off of something. I don't oh, know yeah. what. It's the little chain that you pull on the light to turn the light on and like those really old fashioned lights. Oh, okay. And he's just but, like snapped it off. Yeah. And it's so, he comes in so casually, like it's no big deal that I've been here the last however many nights. And she's clear. He doesn't read the room. He doesn't see that she's annoyed and he stands and he looks down at her like he's flirting with her. Meg's kind of wondering what the heck is going on here. Claire storms out with a mad look and Tess is like, what's that about? And it is, he's kind of, I think, insensitive here. He's acting like no big deal that I'm here. And he walks into the kitchen like it's his kitchen. He's just not like, oh, good morning, ladies. He's just kind of like bold faced, like, hello, I broke the chain. Yeah. And I think that's the vibe they're meant to be giving. I mean, this is a house of women and has been for quite a while now. You know, it's now been a bit of time since Jack McLeod died. This is an all-lady household. And now there is a big, beefy dude stomping around, making messes, breaking stuff. And it's just kind of another way I think it's highlighting how much this is jarring Claire. Like, it's it's wrong for her that he's with her sister. He's messing up her systems. He's messing up her house. He could not be any more annoying to her at the moment. And on his part, like, I don't think he's with Tess to sort of get back at Claire, but there could be a little element of like, hey, you didn't want me. Now I'm with your sister. What are you going to do about it? Like, I don't know. A little, yeah. little bit of defiance there towards Claire. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and anyway, Claire, uh, Alex follows Claire outside and starts talking business. Um, there's a Bloodlines representative. So they, when Tess was talking to Alex about it, she called it the camp drafting contract. So we were right. It's, it's about training horses for camp drafting. I don't really get what this Australian Bloodlines Association has to do with... Um, Oh, yeah, I guess they if they're bloodlines, they're like breeding horses and then they're getting them trained. So anyway, they're the people awarding the contract. And his name's Peter. He's staying at Kalani. Um, and it's obvious that Kalani's getting, you know, Harry is scheming to get an advantage for Alex by, uh, you know, sort of having the guy stay there and sucking up to him and blah, blah, blah. So this is where Tess goes after Claire, like, what's your problem? Mm-hmm. And... She, she she doesn't bring up that he's staying there. She brings up how long she's been training for this job. Yeah, which, because Tess which is told new to Alex me. that he'd been that she'd been training around the clock. And again, she gets so yes. mad if Tess ever Tess says any little part of their business with the Ryans. Claire yes. loses it and she is so unreasonable. She is unreasonable. And then she brings up, have you told him you're going back to the city yet? So clearly yeah, there's some under, Yeah, underlying tension. And I have to point this out. Meg is hanging up laundry, dry laundry. I didn't notice that. (laughs) The towels in the basket are dry. (laughs) I just want to say, wait, uh, good prop, man. Good prop, man. (laughs) He was too busy making Tessa's room hilarious and awesome to worry about the towels or she. I don't know. Yeah. The shirt looks a little bit wet, but the towels look completely dry. If they're, if they're, Cause they're all straight. There's no wrinkles. Anyway, it's funny. Yeah. So Jody comes up and her and Meg are scheming for her to, you know, win this show. It turns out that Meg was Miss Wagga Wagga runner up 1980. Shout out to Wagga. My uncles, two uncles and their families live there. And I grew up about two hours away. So that's my old stomping grounds. Oh, that's cool. And also we have to say that the electricity being wonky is introduced about here. So we're yes. starting to know that the electricity keeps going out. We Which see is a Tess callback. muxing with the, with the box 
and mm-hmm. uh, and then she comes up with an idea that she's going to go talk to Claire about. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, in the first episode, I think we see that the electricity is dodgy. Tess, in those early episodes, you know, she'd short out the house with her cappuccino machine with her hair dry. Right, we've been um, seeing that all along, but with, yeah. They've like let it go for a while and now it's back. Um, Claire's and Meg refused- puts a wet towel on her shoulder mm-hmm, and it <laughs> comes away and her shirt's not wet. So I'm telling you, the towel's dry. Anybody want to go with me on that one? I'm so impressed that you picked that up. I need to look at these things. <laughs> Um, Claire's refusing to fix the electrics in the house she says I can live with it and you won't have to much longer and Tess says she's like I never said I wanted to leave and I think this whole thing with how they handle the money is weird Um, and now I forgot to discuss this more last episode I think this must come up oh yeah Nick's going to talk more about his property this episode I'll leave that for them but for just for now how how are Tess and Claire handling the money with drovers because when Claire bought those sheep it was a surprise to Tess and she was doing it using the farm funds which I guess Tess half owned but um like this whole how how they're drawing wages how Tess is claiming her half of the farm Claire's still running it and making all the decisions I'm just sort of getting this weird feeling like they don't even talk about if Tess is gonna leave she Claire needs to pay out the rest of her half of the farm. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah. That Tess will still be invested in the farm and taking half the profits, but Claire will manage it while Tess goes and runs her cafe. I don't know. The whole decision-making process is a bit unclear and a bit weird. And and I guess we don't need stacks of detail, but I just found it odd. I 100% found it odd. Mm. (laughs) But they've never talked about finances. No. And... They, they they clearly aren't running this thing as partners. No, and they're not. A, it is the check to put yes, the pet the check to put money down on a cafe is not Tess's half of Drover's run. No, not at all. And you know, even Tess talks about um, later on. Claire's talking about her dream of turning Drovers into a horse stud, and Tess says, "I'll be here to help you." Like they're never equal partners in it maybe she's pulling equal profits out of it to what Claire is but um Claire is definitely the boss and isn't even really training Tess up to be an equal partner she's very much keeping Tess in her place I think so that's that's interesting um and Claire's super rude to her here she's Tess is um talking about that if she gets this camp driving contract she's halfway to her dream of turning drovers into a horse stud it's apparently going to fund half of what she needs to do that and Tess is like yeah I support that dream I'll be here to help you and Tess is just like so rude she goes I didn't need your help before I managed before I'll manage afterwards and um and then this sort of tense interaction is interrupted by Peter Johnson drives up or actually Tess is out later and she's shifting wood in a wheelbarrow and Peter Johnson drives up and it's the dude out of Dr. Doctor who Claire backed her ute into last time down at his door. Um, I noticed that when Tess introduces herself, she says Tess Silverman. She's not going by Tess McLeod, which I found. That struck me too. I was like, why is she Tess Silverman? I mean, I've never heard her, her call herself Tess McLeod to this point actually either, but I thought, oh, is this a little reminder that, hey, she's not considering herself a McLeod because Claire's pushing her away? Yeah, just thought that was interesting. Nice little detail. Well, isn't that her name? Her father was... Claire's father there her yes, mother was married to him where does Silverman episode, come from Silverman's did I miss something name. yeah it was Ruth and Tess Silverman I think because in the first episode mm. she says she's Tess Silverman 
Um, so she's always gone by her mum's name since the divorce, I think. Okay. Mm. So that's the interesting yeah. point. Is she consider herself a McLeod or not? What do you guys think? Yeah. At this point, I would I would just say that this is kind of their way of hinting at us that she's not there yet. She's made progress, but yeah, she's not all the way there. Um so Peter Johnson drives up, Tess introduces, and Claire assumes this part I found far fetched, assumes that he's driven all the way out there, which by the way, they met in Fisher, which is like three hours away. She thinks he's driven all the way out to Drover's Run to be after her about denting his car door. The fuel it would have cost him to drive from Fisher to Drover's Run would be worth a part of the repairs to the door. Like, that's ludicrous. And she's so revved up and mad about the whole thing that um, that she just goes on the attack straight away and like says all this rude stuff to him and then Tess is like ah he's here from Australian Bloodlines like the company that you're wanting to get the contract off and Claire's face is like oh man (laughs) I didn't believe this but at least it was satisfying to see her get a bit of a comeuppance I agree and again though she makes so many of her own problems why did you come at him like a bullet out of a gun you just came at him he you didn't even ask oh you weren't kind you weren't she wasn't kind at all she did back into his door and even if she didn't back into his door she would say why did you come all the way out here is this about the door and or or whatever and she just is like what are you doing here and then she gets mad at Tess for not saying who he was and but she got around to it like how did she why is this Tess's fault Tess did as soon as she could Claire was like yes Claire was like coming at him right yeah so Claire so unreasonable McLeod at it again (laughs) yeah yeah very much so um Claire has been like super rude to this dude and then Alex like hears about Tess tells him about what happened and the fact that Claire didn't know who Peter Johnson was. Alex, obviously, he's staying out there. He knew that it was the guy that Claire had backed into and he nearly wets himself laughing, hearing about how she made a fool of herself. And Tess is annoyed because she's like, she thinks I knew. She's blaming me. You have to fess up. And he's like, no way. She had it coming. He reckons that she has an unfair advantage being a woman. I don't know how that tracks. But anyway, that's his impression. Um, And he also says that he needed an edge. She's like, oh, you're saying that she's better than you? And he's like, no, she's a chick. She gets an advantage. Typical Alex. I will say that can come into play because I've often said male authors sometimes have an advantage over female authors. One, there's so many female authors. But two, um, male authors write for both men and women. A lot of us don't write for both. A lot of women do. I'm not saying that they don't. But you watch female readers when a good-looking male author walks into the room. I mean, it's like, and most readers are women. So I was like, you know, I'm sure this one author that I'm thinking of, uh, he is a very talented author, but I bet a lot of people saw his picture first. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I do think, you know, that's the reality. Sometimes we have advantages um, by being women and sometimes there's advantages to being men so that's just a reality and I think Alex is overplaying it but yeah in the horse training world I'm point. not seeing it so much I'm feeling I'm not, like yeah perhaps in the horse there. training world yeah yeah, yeah. anyway sure. 
Um, I just love how hard Alex laughed at this and then him and Tess end up in a pillow fight, which is very loud and Claire's hearing it through the wall. She's walking up the stairs. She just wants to go to her room and sit in her shame and she has to hear them mucking around and then she slips. She's kind of backing away as she hears them mucking about and slips down the stairs and rolls down the whole thing and Tess sees her and is very concerned and Alex carries Claire to her bed, which I feel like must have been, if Claire, I know we're differing on how much Claire is like attracted to Alex at this point, but I feel like if she is, that must have been salt in the wound that he's hooking oh, up with sure. her sister and then she gets hurt. And so like Alex is carrying her to her bed. Dreams come true. But her sister's right there. And as soon as he puts her down, he's going to walk out and he's going to go off with the sister. <laughs> and that's going to suck. Well, even worse, which I did not understand this at all. He's like, let's get your pants off. Oh, that's like, right. I was like, what? Says it, but like reaches for her jeans. Like, He's starting to go for her hand. belt. And, yeah, She's like, get out of here. You've done enough damage. Although again, to Claire, why didn't you just walk? So what she moves because Tess's door opens and I get it. She's thinking Alex is going to come out. Why didn't you just scoot down the hall? Yeah. I don't understand how I just kind of was like, oh, maybe when I've watched the, that a little bit a couple times now, because I backed over to watch it, uh, backed up to watch it. And so maybe I can understand she backs away and she and she did trip, but mm-hmm. it didn't seem like the fall was that much, but you never know. Mm-hmm. So, but she's damaged her knee. Mm-hmm. She has. And Alex wants to take off her jeans. <laughs> so More weird. More salt in the wound. <laughs> More salt in the wound. Yeah, Right. Um, and again, I think every time I see that, because Nick isn't always in every episode and he's my favorite character, anytime I see him, I write, Nick, yay, three exclamation marks every time. <laughs> I know, he's not in as many, so we like seeing him. Yeah, and it's, I didn't think he was going to be in this one because we, you know, we're a while into the episode now. And so we see him for the first time. He's borrowing um, stuff for a few days. I think he's borrowing gear and guys to work on his new place for a few days from his dad. Um, and so him and Alex are now back on Kalani. He's loading up the ute with the equipment he needs. And Alex says, oh, I had a good night last night. Do you want to hear how good? Oh, Alex. Not being very gentlemanly there. This makes me think he's not serious. That he's just mucking about and he is not truly serious about her. And thank goodness Nick says no. Yeah, he said, I'd rather not and enjoy it while it lasts. So he's getting right back in alex obviously doesn't know that nick likes tess or if, if we think that he does um because otherwise you, you wouldn't really say that unless you're trying to rub in the fact that he got her but uh, alex nick gets like a little dig back in like this isn't this isn't going anywhere i don't know how old these guys are but that's so so teenager college yeah. thing for a guy to do and to do it with your brother mm-hmm I mean, and I know, again, different worlds, different people and different families talk about different things, but I just thought, make us like Alex a little bit, okay? So Yeah, yeah. If, if Tess right was a now, I'm girl, like, well, I totally what, see dude? the conversation happening, but they're all friends. And so I feel like it's weird when they're all mutual friends. Yeah, true. So, yeah. Um, back over to Jody. She's talking about how this showgirl thing is going to be her first step to fame. And they make the comment about um, 
that Alex has dated all the previous showgirls. And I didn't know if the last comment she made about she said, yeah, all except me was like a, yeah, I'm never going to fall for that crap from Alex Ryan. Or if it was a, oh, I have such a crush on Alex Ryan. I felt like the second one. Maybe. maybe. I mean, I think she might think. I, it, it came out he's... of the blue to me, but I was like, oh, she's young. She's impressionable. He's good looking. He's next door. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. I think she's just thinking about who's going to, like what she has to do to win. Cause she's talking to Becky about, she has to know things about the area, things about the town. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, then she's the one who says the last three winners went out with Alex Ryan, but then she says, except me. So mm-hmm. it, maybe she is wondering, but she has not the winner of, and by the way, in this, she called it the Gungellen quest. At first it was the yeah. showcase. So now it's the Gungellen quest, whichever it is, but you know, Jody, you haven't won yet. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Win it and maybe he will. I don't know. Maybe. Um, now Harry's super mad that Alex didn't come home the previous night. I don't Harry is so overbearing. I don't get why this affects him at all. They're next door and he comes back to do his work. Um Harry's got his leg in a cast. I'm guessing this is from that episode a couple episodes ago where he got pinned under the tractor. He's like broken his leg yeah. from that. Yeah. Yeah. Um and Liz is upset that Nick is going like over to the new property. It's like, it's on the other side of Drover's Run. It's five or ten minutes away. Like he's not going anywhere. Is she nuts? I think they both love the boys at home. And she's she says something about this thing with Alex will wear off. Don't worry about it. And now uh, now they're trying to deal with Nick possibly moving. They want those boys to live there. like in their childhood bedrooms forever like oh my gosh and yeah when he went off on his business trip and everyone was like oh we didn't know if we'd see you again he bought the property next door where did he go on this mysterious business trip like was he just in town for a couple of days talking to the real estate agent or in Fisher like he didn't actually have to go anywhere to do that it was already there I don't get what that was I don't get that either and we have to note that Liz says something very poignant. She's mm. talking about as soon as one of these girls gets a ring on their finger, it'll be and it, yes. it'll be Nick then. Claire's got more dignity than to accept her sister's leavings. So yes. even the parents are wondering if Claire and Alex could be, would be a thing. I know. They seem to think it's inevitable that Claire will marry one of their boys. And now that Tess is hooked up with Alex, they're like, well, it must be Nick then. So <laughs> I'm like, you all know that Claire can marry other people. It's not, there's no law that she has to marry Ryan. Anyway, um, I also thought it was interesting that she said Claire has more dignity than to accept her, you know, sister's leavings. I was like, oh, like, mm-hmm. yes, it, uh, I was not loving because I'm thinking that Claire and Alex are going to happen. I'm like, oh, now that he's been with Tess, that's weird. And if Nick yeah. and Tess get together too, that's weird. Uh, I'm with you, good. I'm with you, girl. <laughs> I'm with you. But uh, anyway, um, I think t- what I I will say this: I don't mind who they end up with. Mm-hmm. What I mind is it's so um, back and forth, and that Claire never, ever, ever, ever says what she wants. Yes. So there's just so many assumptions here. So mm-hmm. either you know, choose or get off the pot kind of thing right yeah so yeah um so Tess and Alex leave together in Tess's bug um and 
Nick drives up to Claire, who's watching Jodie's training on the horse because Claire's hurt her knee. She can't ride. Um, Jodie's not doing super well. Nick comes and he brings Claire his old walking stick from when he was a kid and he hurt his leg. And he, like, tosses it to her and she catches it one-handed. And they have a bit of banter about how she's going to be fine. She doesn't need it. And he just hangs it on the railing as they watch the horses and they start to talk about her plans. And um, then they watch... Alex and Tess pull up and they left before Nick, but then like pulled over and, um, and now they're arriving at Drover's run after and um, which Nick notes with interest. He's like, Oh, what took them so long to get here? And I just kind of like this little interaction with him and Claire, like he brought her a walking stick. That was nice. And they're kind of gives it back. She gives it back, which is typical, (laughs) but you know, He's here. He's been a friend as he always is. Um, they talk about him being, she asks, how's it being a landowner? And he's like, yeah, it feels great. Like he's got his own life. And she says, and I'm guessing that she's just assumed this knowing Nick well. She says, when are you going to let Harry know that it has nothing to do with him? And he says, when I've got as much out of him as I can. And I really like this interaction for several reasons. And then there's one reason why I didn't particularly. Um, I liked that it showed Nick has a little ruthless streak in him that he gets from his father. Like he's not mm-hmm. 100% sweet. He's got his own mind. Harry's taught him a thing or two and he is not afraid to play, to fight fire with fire. Two, I liked that he is being his own person and he's not being controlled with his dad. But three, this is where I'm not so sure. How, whose money has purchased this farm? He bought it without Harry knowing about it. So obviously Nick has used his own funds um why is harry seeing this harry's seeing this as part of the ryan empire but just because a lot of people with the name ryan own land in this area but he's not owning it he's lending him his machinery because he knows he's his son but is he expecting that like with this machinery he gets a say in the land nick has paid for and nick's just going to take the machine and then be like actually i'm going to do my own thing like what is harry thinking is his stake in this absolutely what you just said harry is thinking Oh, look what my son did. He went out and spent his own money to attach his land to mine. I've expanded my kingdom. I will, of course, give him whatever he needs. Yeah, Harry thinks that this has just made Killarney that much bigger. Yeah, which, like, why would he think that? It's not his money. Well, because it's his son. Yeah. You know what, what I mean? Harry. That yeah, huge, you. huge assumption. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Tess carries Alex, I mean, Alex carries Tess into the house and it becomes obvious that Alex ate all the chocolate biscuits. Um, and the girls are talking about, um, the training competition because the Peter has to judge first Tess and then Alex, no, sorry, I'm getting all my names mixed up. Peter has to judge Alex first and then Claire on Friday with their writing skills and decide who gets the contract Um, is becoming obvious that Claire is not going to be able to perform well, even if she can write at all with her leg. And so Tess has a plan to sabotage Alex using sex so that he can't write the next day, which I thought was a funny plan. And anyway, you see Claire, she can hear them laughing. She's hating it. Um, And the next day, Alex rides better than he's ridden in his entire life. <laughs> right. It all so totally backfired. And Tessa's like face of disappointment that this highly scientific plan of hers didn't work is like, <laughs> she's so shocked. 
<laughs> and in the meantime, we find out that Jodie has to interview with Mrs. Ryan and Meg hates how Liz Ryan treats her and she thinks she's not going to treat Jodie very well. Um, the next day, we see that Alex is writing amazingly. And again, I wrote that I think Jodie has a crush on Alex and it's weird. I can't remember what she did there that made me think that, but it was something about her watching him ride the horse. And Claire says, we're history. Like he's written too well. She knows she's not going to be able to outdo him. And she's actually crying. And I was like, oh, look at this. Claire has finally reached breaking point. She has shown an emotion and it's because she's lost Alex and now she's lost her contract and that she is at the end of her rope. Yeah, I think she's kind of worried here that... Mm -hmm. Uh, this that her dream isn't going to come true in the plan that she had she can make a new plan mm -hmm. but yeah he looks really good and it does look like the actor is actually riding him yeah that so. looked good there was like a weird shot where the camera's looking at a tree I didn't like there's a little yeah something. I thought that was I know very weird I, I thought that was weird that. too <laughs> and I was gonna say wait a minute there's not a tree but they're in a different paddock so different, yeah um, they're at yeah they're over they're at Killarney but I always I wondered about that too I was like why yeah. why are they uh doing that and yeah so. yeah um so Liz surprises Jody. she shows up at Jody's little cottage to do the interview which is a mess and not at the big house where Meg has cleaned frantically and got a big thing got a big morning tea set out and stuff this is pretty rude and snobby um Becky's I just saw the scene, by the way, I just saw the scene where Jody's looking around at Alex doing so good. And she does. She looks kind of like, look how good he's doing. Yeah, oh, this is, is interesting. <laughs> so I don't I don't know if she has a crush on him or not. But there we go. That's the scene. She's just looking like, oh, isn't he, isn't he awesome? <laughs> she is. Becky is riding the bike that Brick gave her along. And it looks so cute. I just like the little signal that even when he's not in an episode, you know, she really loves his present. And she's, you know, probably thinking of him and stuff. Um but they talk about the interview and Jodie's upset and because um, it hasn't gone very well. And in the meantime, Tess has a new plan now to get Claire an extension so that she has longer for her knee to heal. She's invited Peter over to dinner and she says, we have something that Alex hasn't. She like unzips her jacket and Claire's like, we're going to use your cleavage against him and Tess yeah. is like yeah. our cleavage <laughs> which I thought was funny every time Claire tries to make fun of her Tess just earnestly leans into it and it just washes off her like water off a duck's back and that's her plan they dress up Claire who backed out of wearing the nice dress last episode appears looking very nice in a lovely little black dress at the top of the stairs she then has to have Tess shoo the guy off to have dinner so she can hobble down the stairs very ungracefully with her bad knee. Um, but her and Peter get along really well. The whole dinner's by candlelight because the electrics have gone out of the house again and they start talking about, you know, they've always irritated each other, but they start talking about horses, which they're both so passionate about. And we find out the next day he didn't leave till one in the morning. Yes. <laughs> I thought it was a little bit weird that she won't agree to go along with it, but it is her dream. That is what she wants. And so sometimes we do things that we wouldn't normally do because it's going to help us possibly achieve our goal. I was weird that she went along with the dress and fancy and, and looking super nice. They were but, way overdressed. <laughs> yeah, way overdressed. And, Wildly. <laughs> and then it's so cute. Uh, Tess actually really makes sure that he looks down her dress as much as possible. And yes. so, oh my gosh, she practically shoved him in his face. <laughs> I know she did. And and Claire's got a little bit more push-up going on than you would have thought. I would have put her in a more conservative dress because 
Again, it's just not who she is. But here's what I want to say. I love Peter and Claire. Mm. That's my new thing. Yep. I, you don't, you get that there's a vibe between them, at least the mm-hmm. way the actors are playing it. There's a definite attraction. I love the initial, uh, we have a conflict. We can't stand each other greeting and meeting. And now that she knows who he is and I've seen him in action. He's a super nice guy. So yeah. I feel like there's an attraction there. I think she likes him. I think she's attracted to him mm-hmm. and I could see them as a couple. And her telling the story of how she um, like broke in her first horse and how she just kind of ignored it and it fascinated it and it came closer and closer until it nuzzled her. I was like, Claire, talking dirty. <laughs> right. <laughs> what what a lovely little metaphor there. He is, his ears perked up when she started telling that story. Well, also, I feel like my take on it was, you know, their hands had brushed earlier going for the same salt shaker. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, <laughs> Her being that open and honest with him made him see her in a new light, Mm -hmm. not even so much romantically, but her being vulnerable made him see she's possibly the best trainer. She could possibly be the one that that we want to hire. That's true. That story meant a lot. And you see, finally, we see, we get a glimpse of what Claire loves and what Claire wants. She she loves Drover's run, but in a protective territorial sort of way that doesn't really, just shows that she doesn't want other people to have it. Not so much that she's so passionate for the land herself, but this horse thing, you finally hear, this is something that Claire loves. And that's really nice. And, um, and she doesn't ask him for the postponement for the contract, which I thought was very classy. You know, she's like, you know what? I'm not going to manipulate him. We have an actual connection here. I like him. I respect him. I'm not going to ask for that and try and get this unfair advantage. And the next day it comes out, she tries to ride the horse. It's obvious she can't. And he's there and she, and she says, look, I don't know if you can, if we can let Jody ride instead. And he says, he's like, you could have asked me last night. You know, we could have talked about this. And I was like, oh, like, I don't know. I like that interaction. I did too. That was really sweet. I thought that yeah. was good. And Alex stands up for her too and says, come on, dude, let Jody ride instead. And I thought that was good. I liked that Alex was man enough to not be threatened by Claire. He did try and get a little psychological warfare with her over not telling her who the guy really was, but then he gave her every shot. He really wanted to beat her fair and square. Um, and so that was nice. We also see um, Meg tries to intervene on Jodie's behalf with Liz and which just Liz obviously just shuts straight down. Um, and yeah, that was a bit painful. We see Becky and Harry talk. Now I think we've mentioned this one before in real life, the actors who play Becky and Harry, they're father and daughter. Um, and I realized when they did the scene, I'm like, Oh, I don't think I've ever seen them do a scene together. And I was like, that would be so funny. Like, they she Becky also tries to intervene on Jody's behalf and ask Harry to like sweet talk Liz into do, doing something and Harry is like no it's got nothing to do with me um and you know obviously the characters aren't big fans of each other and I was like that would be so weird to act with your dad but like kudos to them had I not known like someone told me that they are and yeah when you see their names their last names both Napier um yeah like had someone not told me you I don't know they did a good job <laughs> Yeah, so I'm looking at them now that. going, huh, I'm trying to look for the family resemblance, but <laughs> yeah. okay, that's really cool. I'd love to act with my dad if he was an actor. <laughs> that would be cool. Um, and so Jody stuffs up riding on the horse. So Claire again is upset. Um, Harry makes the comment that, you know, the boys are all watching and Nick says Claire's done good work with that horse, even though Jody's not riding it particularly well. And Harry says it's lucky for Alex that she's not riding it. Um, so again, we see that Claire really is the best trainer. 
Jody messes up. Claire's giving her instructions. She rides her too hard, really. They get another chance. Jody stuffs up again. And again, Claire's in tears. She said, that's it. We're out. Um, everyone, Tess is upset as well. Harry says to her, credit to him, he says, it's only bad luck and Blaze is a real credit to you. So I thought that was nice that he gave her a little bit of encouragement. It's the only selfless thing I've ever seen Harry do. Um, because then he goes and sucks up to Liz. He's never nice to his wife. And then all of a sudden he's being nice to her, tells us she's the best looking woman in the district and then says, ask her to let Jodie, they're not even asking Liz to make Jodie the winner of the Miss Gungellen competition. All they're asking is for her to be entered into it. And he's like, oh, let her in. She's practically a McLeod. Remember the grand plan. Let's ease the pain of them losing the contract. She's not going to win anyway. He just wants to suck up to the McLeods a bit. And I'm like, Harry, you dirtbag. You treat your wife like crap all the time. And then when you see something that might give you the slightest advantage for your farm, all of a sudden you like manipulate her. Man, he's scum. He has a one-track mind. My farm, my farm, my farm, my farm. Yep. <laughs> my ranch, my ranch, my ranch. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and again, he needlessly takes, a, in that scene that we just discussed, and that was a great summary, he needlessly takes a shot at his son like it's a good thing Claire's not riding Blaze. And I'm like, Harry, what yeah. is, do you want to leave all of this to your son? Your other son has gone and bought property. You better be sure that you're, that Alex isn't going to do the same or join up with him and extend that property. I don't, I don't get kind of like what he's about. So yeah, I, he's not very he's nice just, to anyone in his family. Yeah, he's just a step above Brian. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> As um, we know, he has not accosted anybody and I yeah. hope he doesn't, but his attitude is I am all about me. I mean, they're kind of cut from the same cloth. It's about me and what I want. So mm-hmm. he is. Um, Jodie's crying on a park bench. Um, Liz assumes that she's crying over the Miss Showgirl thing and then realises that she's actually crying because she's let down Claire. And Liz, Liz's complaint against Jodie earlier had been that she was sweet but had no substance because she hasn't done any community work. She really didn't meet a lot of the criteria to enter the competition. But when she sees how upset she is about letting a friend down, then she realises, oh, Jodie does have a bit more substance. And she ends up announcing that she's going to enter her in. So they're all happy about that. Um, and they bond over how they stress eat <laughs> family blocks of chocolate when they're upset. <laughs> yeah, I actually loved this scene. I thought it was a beautiful scene. I thought it was well acted. Mm-hmm. I thought it was emotional. I thought it was honest. I think probably as we've been talking, especially about Claire and Tess relationship, I feel like the honest conversations that need to happen and could happen and really draw us into their world and into their what they want and who they are don't happen. It just mm-hmm. always skims across the top. And I try to imagine living with someone who treated me the way Claire does. And I would, we would just always be at odds. I wouldn't mm-hmm. get her. I would probably end up being hurt or mad all the time. So I think what I loved about this was they actually had the conversation and then the dessert that Liz offers Jody looks disgusting. But oh, yeah. Me. <laughs> and Meg hates her baking. And she's like, Meg's got this quietly superior, you know, Liz is classier than her. She always treats Meg like dirt, but Meg is a way better cook. And Meg is just like not trying to hide. I would agree. Texas baking is. <laughs> I don't know what it was she offered, but it did not look delectable at all. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Um, 
So later, Claire is super sad about losing this contract. Tess finds her on the veranda and she says, oh, is Alex staying? And she says, no, he's not staying tonight. And I'm sorry that you didn't get the contract. And um, then Claire's out with her horse and Peter comes over with some wine and she's a bit prickly to him, but she's not too bad. And then he says, oh, I brought you some wine to celebrate you getting the contract. Um, he thinks that she's the best trainer, even though Jody stuffed it up. I know he must, he liked what he saw with the horse and he liked the story she told about her approach. And um, apparently Harry was not too pleased when he found out that Alex didn't get the contract. And, um, and she offers, she says to Peter, would you like to stay and help drink it? Which uh, like for Claire, that is, I felt like that was a step forward. That was some Program. Yeah, it was a huge step forward. I absolutely this whole last scenario, yes. these whole last sequences made me love this show, made me love this episode because I do like the chemistry between Peter and Claire. Mm-hmm. And those of you who watch the show, please don't tell me that they don't ever get together. And then I loved that Jody, I'm not Jody, I just saw a picture of Jody. I just love that Tess said, I'm going to reinvest my money and I'm going to fix the electricity. Yes. So we get the feeling at this episode that there's a turning point. We really are partners. We're really going to do this together. Yep. Tess is 100% in. Claire is making baby steps towards emotional maturity and um and peter had to he had to leave he had um and drive and so he wasn't able to stay but i was like oh all my frustration last episode at claire not making progress made it that much better to see her actually make some this episode so that was good looking forward to seeing where that goes i agree 100 percent. and that was it for this episode Rachel, if people would like to catch up with you further online, where can they find you? Oh, you can find me at rachelhawk.com, Facebook, Instagram, BookBub, and Twitter at the same name. Um, of course, if you don't follow American College Football, you won't like my Saturday <laughs> tweets. <laughs> but I do tweet a lot about books and other things. And uh, you can check out my latest release, To Love a Prince, on um, Amazon or mm-hmm. wherever you buy your books. And I'm at Jessica Kate Writing on Facebook, Instagram, and my website, jessicatewriting.com. And if you like pictures of rom-coms and movie kisses, then follow my Instagram. You will enjoy it. <laughs> and we will, you will see you all. <laughs> we will see you all next episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey guys, just wanted to say a quick thank you to composer Bobby Abbott for our theme song. If you want to check out more about him, then you can go to Bobby Abbott Music on Facebook and that's Abbott with two B's and two T's. See you all next time.